morning uh, might be cold, but that won't disperse us, right? We can bring blankets just as we would go to a sports game and cheer on our favorite team. Uh, we have something ultimately much more worthy of our praise and honor and, and glory. So we'll suit up, put on coats, bring out blankets, and come together to worship the Lord, to hear his word this morning. Welcome to Grace Church of Orange. We're a Christ-centered community intent on proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and sacrificially serving Jesus. And we want to continue to do that in, in all the ways that God allows us um, and honor him with that. want to point you to the QR codes and the announcement sheets that are on the seats and around the campus. You can use your phone to, to go online and see our announcements as well. Let us know that you're here. If this is your first time, uh, please scan that and just let us know so we can connect with you through email and other means. Um, as well, we have a welcome center in the back and after the service, we'd love to meet you there. Um, one of our staff or elders will be there. Um, wanted to mention a few dates this morning. Uh, men's ministry. We're going to have an event on Saturday the 6th here at the church. Make sure you take note of that, Saturday the 6th. And then on the 12th of February, we're going to start Men of the Word at 7 a.m. Um, and we'll meet here, study the Word together. Women's Ministry has a few events that are going on. I know my wife enjoyed uh, Women of the Word this past Thursday. It started and will continue each Thursday, 9.30 to 11.30. Also, Friday mornings, there's a Zoom Bible study if you want to connect with that online from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. During Sunday morning services, we're going to start uh, classes on the 7th of February. And so during first service, Journey is going through the words of Jesus, and there will also be a class, uh, Life Builders. Um, and some of those classes will be on the office grass over there or between the modulars here. So pay attention for those. During second service, there's going to be Devoted, which is going through the book of Hosea, and Logos is going through the Gospel of Mark. And so we have some different classes that are starting there. If you guys would stand with us this morning, we're going to read from Psalm 103, verses 19 to 22. And in verse 19, it begins, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let's pray together. Lord, we desire to bless your name this morning. God, we don't want the rocks to have to cry out because, because we have failed to, to sing your praises and worship. And so this morning, God, we want to bless you along with the angels, along with creation, and with the church that is uniting across the globe to hear your word and sing your praises. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Our rest is in heaven, our rest is not here. Then why should we tremble when trials draw near? Be still and remember the worst that can come. But shortens our journey and hastens us home. Christ our glory, Christ our Lord. Christ 
standing with us as we read the Word of God. This morning, our passage comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We'll begin at verse 11. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. 
Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. You may be seated. This morning we'll remember Nate and Bethany Emerson, missionaries that we support uh, as we go before the Lord in prayer. Pray with me this morning. Lord, thank you. Thank you for continuing to, to sustain this world, for continuing to, to display your glory through creation around us, for allowing us to enter your presence with boldness this morning. God, what a gift it is. Let us recognize you where you belong today, Lord. You've put the heavens in order and you've, you've ordered creation and you are worthy of our love and our attention, our obedience. God, we confess that, 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 that apart from you, we are nothing. Lord, the world would not exist or continue. And we confess that because of our sin, we're not worthy to come before you and enter your presence this morning. We confess that, that we, God, we reverse this creation that you've made, God, and instead of honoring and, and adoring the Creator, God, we worship created things. God, we thank you for the blood of Christ that washes us clean. God, we thank you for the Spirit that renews our mind. God, we thank you for the Word that teaches us truth. Thank you for giving us an inheritance completely undeserved, Father, for allowing us joy and pleasure. God, help us to trust your plan even when there is there's difficulty, even when there's pain, to trust you in, in sickness and in health. God, to acknowledge you when we rise in the morning and when we lay down to rest. God, we pray that, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we as a church, we need your wisdom. And so, Lord, we ask. God, let us live wisely before men. Let us practice good works so that, so that men would see them and, and not glorify us, but glorify you, Father. We ask, as the Apostle Paul did, that you would give us boldness to declare your word to a watching world. God, we pray for those who are suffering and persecuted for the sake of the gospel across the world, that, that you would comfort and strengthen them. God, give them peace this morning. Give their families peace and strength. Thank you, God, for, for the Emersons who, who we get a chance to take part in their ministry by supporting them. God, we pray that you would provide for their needs and, and allow their ministry to be fruitful. God, let, let the fruit of your spirit be evident in their life and their work and allow them to be satisfied with your glory. God, satisfy us this morning with your glory. You are a good God, sovereign over all. Move in us today as we hear your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Father, we praise you this morning that you sent your Son into the world to be the Savior of sinners, and we know that there is no hope in the world apart from him. So, Lord, this morning we ask that even as we hear your word preached right now, you would recenter our hearts on that truth that Jesus is our only hope and the only hope for this world. And, Lord, we pray that you would use us to take the message of the gospel to the world uh, and encourage us in that way today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So good morning. It's good to be together to open the Word of God. Uh, glad you're here under the tent with us. Glad for those that are hopping onto the live stream with us. Welcome to you as well. Uh, we get to get into the Word of God today, and we're talking about wisdom and how beautiful it is, how valuable it is, how wonderful wisdom is. And I think we could all agree that wisdom is not something that you are born with. Wisdom is something that you acquire through life. Uh, no one's born with wisdom. You get it through experience in life. And what we find is that wisdom is a hot commodity. It's always in short supply. And so wisdom is so good, and there's a lot said about wisdom. Wisdom, Socrates says, the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. Shakespeare said, the fool thinks he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. Gandhi once said, is unwise to be too sure about your wisdom. Winston Churchill humorously said of a political foe once, in those days he was wiser than he is now, he used to frequently take my advice. And Albert Einstein once said, any fool can know. The point is to understand. According to God, wisdom is valuable. Wisdom is good. Proverbs 8, 11 says that wisdom is more valuable than jewels. That nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, and so that if you want to be wise, you need to fear God and obey Him. This is the summation, really, of Ecclesiastes, is it not? Fear God and keep His commandments. And to be wise, to be truly wise, you need to know the God who gives wisdom and know Him through the Lord Jesus Christ, our substitute at the cross, the one who shed his blood in our place, that all who believe in his sacrifice for our sin, knowing that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, and that he is coming back, that's the truly wise person. Wisdom right now is coming on the heels of hearing about how God enjoys his people. The passage previous, this beautiful encouragement that, that God enjoys every believer. And that because he enjoys the believer, the believer can enjoy God and enjoy his good gifts and use them rightly. But now, fresh on the heels of that, what we see is that wisdom is so valuable, but also it is vulnerable. That wisdom is not ultimate. That wisdom is, is really good. It is better than folly. It is better than foolishness but that it is vulnerable because wisdom can only take you so far. 
and it drives us. It's going to point us to, to trust God Almighty. It's going to point us to trust God's wisdom, not our own. Not our own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Let's talk about wisdom. It's valuable, but it's also vulnerable. And what this passage is telling us today, really in three sections, it tells us what wisdom can do and what wisdom cannot do. And it's important for us to know what wisdom can do and what it cannot do how it is not ultimate, and how only God is ultimate. And so let's just go through the passage. You're going to see three things about wisdom, what it can and cannot do. What is wisdom, first of all? We're going to talk about wisdom. What is it? Quite simply, it is this. Wisdom is knowing and doing what is right and true. Knowing and doing what is right and true. And you see it all the way through Scripture. It is very valuable, better than jewels, nothing you desire, compares with wisdom. Foolishness is the flip side. You don't want to be a fool. You want to be wise. So let's see what wisdom can do and what it cannot do. Look with me first at verses 11 and 12. We see the first thing that wisdom can do is that it can do many things, okay? It can do a lot of things. It can do plenty of things. Look at verse 11. Again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Now, what he's giving right now are some confusing things of life. Like, wait a minute, time out. I thought that the swift always wins the race. Now, I don't know about you, but I was once a really fast runner before my knees started getting a little creaky. And I'm telling you, I won a lot of races. I was the swiftest, and the race did go to me. I've got the trophies and the medals to prove it. So, so when you read something like this, you're like, well, wait a minute. Now, earlier in this chapter, Solomon had given some contrast, the wise and the foolish, the, the wicked and the righteous, and evil and the good, and he's giving these contrasts. But now what he's giving are some things in life that can really confuse you. And when you do the math, you're like, this doesn't work out. What do you mean that the race is not to the swift? He's saying it's not always that way. What about the battle to the strong? Don't the strong always win the battle? Not always. What about bread to the wise, the riches to the intelligent, favor to the ones with knowledge? No, Solomon says time and chance happen to all of them. What does that mean? It means, oh, it's just going to happen, whatever happens. No, it means that God is the cause of what happens. He is the ultimate cause of what happens, and that you can't connect all the dots in life. I know that some of you, I know I'm tempted to do this a lot. You look around and you think, everyone else's life is working out better than mine. Everyone else's dreams are coming true and mine aren't. Everyone seems to have an easier life than me, or a prettier life than me, or a better life than me, or a more beautiful life than me, and I don't know what's wrong with me. And we get fixated on ourselves. And if you want to be wise, you need to realize, what can wisdom do? Well, lots of things. But wisdom makes you realistic. So that the myth of the greener grass, that's not true. It's a myth. That the, the mirage that you see that looks like everyone else's life is better than yours, that's not true. And that life happens to everyone. Isn't it easy, I think, for Christians to do this? We think 
oh, I'm, I'm a Christian now, I'm a follower of Christ, so I think my life's going to be better than it was before. I think things are going to work out better for me, and I think I'm going to get more of what I want. And nothing can be further from the truth. I think a lot of times it's easy for Christians to think, well, you know, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, the world is suffering, the world is under the curse, but Christians, we, you know, we're victorious right now all the time. Now, we have the victory in Christ, but we are sharing the globe with everyone, and everyone feels like they're being tortured at times. Life is not easier as a believer. It is better. It is wiser to follow Christ than to follow your own mind. It's interesting about wisdom. It can do a lot of things, but what can it not do? First thing we see that it cannot do, it cannot escape death. Look at verse 12. For man does not know his time. Now that should be the headline of every obituary. You don't know your time. You don't know when you're going to die. It's like a fish that's taken in an evil net. Now I love to fish, but you know, I don't use a net. I use like a hook and bait. And even then the fish doesn't know right before it grabs, you know, the bait that it's, it's going to be my dinner. The fish doesn't know that. But if I'm using the net, it's even worse. Just at a moment's notice, suddenly, that's what it says here. Like a bird caught in a snare, like a fish in a net, the children of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. What's it? It is death. And what does suddenly mean? It means you can't plan it out. It means you can't plan your escape from life. It means you can't be like Bilbo Baggins and say, I'm going to plan a party for myself and then poof, be gone, and I'm just going to do my own thing. You cannot plan the day of your death. Even if you have a really long illness, you say, no, I'm going to die on this day. God is in control of life and death. And you might die suddenly. You're not looking for it. All of a sudden, boom, you're dead. Others of you, it's a long, slow burn, and you die, but you don't know exactly when you're going to die. You see, wisdom can do a lot of things. Wisdom is, is skill. By the way, the Bible talks about wisdom a lot, of the skill to do this or that. It's knowing and doing what is right and true. You know, wisdom can do lots of things. You can do a lot of things in life that are good. They're not foolish. They're wise. But you cannot escape death by your wisdom. You can't, you know, outthink death. Now, someone might say, well, wait a minute. There's a promise in the Bible that if I do something specific, I'll get a long life. Some of you are going to quote Exodus 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother, the first commandment with the promise that it will be well with you and you will live a long life on the earth. And some of you will say, now that was written to grown people, adults, who are supposed to rise up and honor their aging parents. But then you look over in Ephesians 6 and you say, and it's also there, spoken to children who's under their parents' roofs, and it says, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with the promise that it will be well with you and you'll live a long life on the earth. So you might say, well, I got a loophole. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to do what God says in the fifth commandment, and I'm going to be guaranteed a long life. It doesn't work that way, folks. That verse means that you won't put yourself in harm's way unduly. You won't put yourself in dangerous situations. You're going to do what is wise. You're going to honor 
and obey your parents. You're going to honor them. You're going to treat them as valuable. You're going to do what God says. You're going to trust his, his wisdom. That does not guarantee you to live a long life. It means that you'll live a longer life than the fool, but you don't know how long you're going to live, and you're not going to escape death. It's painful living in this world, is it not? This is a joyful life and a painful life at the same time. Martin Luther once wrote a letter in 1534 to a prince who was suffering from depression. And here's what he wrote to him. He said, I myself, who have spent a good part of my life in sorrow and gloom, now seek and find joy wherever I can. And he, and he goes on to explain. He says, I have a, a greater grasp of the word of God now. I've grown in Christ. I, I can rejoice with a good conscience and I can use God's gifts with thanks. Because God is pleased when we use his gifts with a grateful heart. And the idea is that you can do a lot of things in life and you cannot escape death. But don't let that get you to the point where you're like, well, I'm just going to despair of life then. If I can't figure out my day of my death or I can't escape it, then I'm just not going to go. No, you keep on going. You keep on doing what God has called you to do. And you realize, just like we've been going through Ecclesiastes, most of you are probably thinking about death now more in the past year than ever before in your life. Because Ecclesiastes talks about death a lot. If you're older in life, you're probably thinking more about death than you were when you were younger. But isn't it interesting? You're like, why is Solomon so fixated on death? It's because he's fixated on God. And God is the one who gives life, and God knows the day of your death. And God knows the wisdom that he will impart to the one who believes in him, who worships him, who fears him, who obeys his commands, who knows what he's about, and say, I'm going to believe God's provision of a Savior, and I'm going to live forever. Not, not the way you think, though. You can't escape death. You're going to die. And Jesus said this, the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. I love what, what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 9. Verses 23 and 24. Because it's very easy, I think, for us to boast all the good things we can do. It says this. Thus says the Lord, which means the authority of God is behind it. God says it. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't go around boasting about all the things you can do because you're wise. That's foolish. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. The rich man boast in his riches. No, let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What does God delight in? He delights in practicing steadfast love, justice, and faithfulness in the earth. So we know that wisdom is valuable. We also know it's vulnerable. Therefore, you must trust God's wisdom. This is the first thing you see in this passage. Wisdom can do a lot of things, but it cannot escape death. We live in a time when we keep death at arm's length, don't we? There were, there were previous generations that when the lifespan was much lower, and you would expect death of an infant, of a child, of a teenager, of, of, a, of a parent, of a spouse. At a moment's notice, death, death from plague, from illness, from war, from a farming accident, whatever. 
But we don't live like that anymore, do we? We, we put our dead somewhere away where we don't need to see them, and we keep death at arm's distance. Remember when I was a kid, a lot of the funerals I would go to, there was a, a casket, and there was an open casket, and you would see the dead body. And I remember thinking, even as a kid, that, that's not really the person. It's just the shell. It's just the tent. It's just the house of, the, of their soul. But now, many of our funerals, we don't even have a, a, a casket or a body there, right? We want death out of our way. We want to keep death at arm's length. And I think what happens is, as lifespans get longer, we want to, we want to have this invincibility idea, like, I'm invincible, like, I'm not really going to die. And we want to ignore death. And we don't want to think about death. We think that's morbid. We tell people when they think, talk about death too much, stop talking about death so much. It's a part of life. But we like keep it at arm's length, and we ignore our frailties. It's not wise to ignore your frailties. It's not wise to be lulled into this false security that you're invincible. You can't escape death. It's wise to know that. Wisdom can do many things, but it cannot escape death. Let's move on to the, the second thing we see in this passage, and it's in verses 13 through 16. And Solomon tells a story, and it gives a bit of a proverb about about a city, a small little city with a few people in it, a king comes against the city. And he says, now I've seen this example of wisdom. I think it's very great. There was a little city with few men in it, verse 14, and the great king came up against it and besieged it. He built great siege works against it. So there's this great powerful king, wants to take over the small little city, he's power hungry, and he puts siege works up, meaning you can't get food in or out. Not going to get food and water. You're going to, you know, die. You're going to have to give, give up, surrender. Verse 15, though. But there was found in that little city with a few people in it a poor wise man. Now, maybe he was ignored. Maybe he was uh, not very well known. I don't know. But he was poor and he was wise. And it says that he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Like, he figured out a plan. Now, some commentators think, that Solomon is referring to some actual historical time. And, and you can look back, and there are some, some stories like this in history where a big, powerful king comes against a small little city and someone wise comes up with a plan to, to foil the king and, and, and you know, get free. And it, it happens. And he tells this little story, and he, here's what he says. He, the point he's making is this. Wisdom can deliver many. But it cannot ensure success. How so? No one remembered the poor wise man. No one remembered him at all. Like, they didn't put up a statue and say, here's the guy that saved the city. Here's the guy that we owe our, our, our livelihood to now because we didn't get taken over. No one remembered him. Like, doesn't that seem a little weird to you? Not if you've lived for very long and you realize that you've had lots of good ideas that you've shared and helped people with and no one remembers that you were the one that had the idea. You've told good jokes and no one remembers that you were the one who told them, you know? Uh, there's plenty of times when you have done something it, for your family or for, for your company or, or for your, a group where you, you're like, I, I came up with this, I invented this, I, I did this, God gave me the ability to do it and no one gave me any credit. They didn't have to put a statue of me up. They could have just said, thank you. 
No one remembered the poor man. No one remembered what he did. You know what that tells me? It's all right to live a life of obscurity and, and just not be known and just do what God, call, God calls you to do. Do the next good thing. I'm okay being an unknown pastor on the West Coast of a beautiful church of beautiful people. You know, I, I have this thing I do. It might be annoying to some people, but what I do sometimes is I get on the phone and I call someone notable that I want to talk to to ask some advice from. I'll just do it. And I'll, a lot of times I'll get their, you know, their administrative uh, staff, and I'll be like, I'm just this, you know, unknown pastor that no one knows. I'm on the West Coast. I got a few questions. And it turns out that people will call you back. They'll set up an appointment with you. There's humble people well-known, that'll say, you know, I'll help you with the question you have. It, it's, it's cool. <laughs> but what about when you help someone and they're helped greatly and they ignore you? They even despise that you even help them. And they even think you hurt them instead of help them. And you actually did something really good for them. Right? Welcome to the club. Welcome to the world. Welcome to this globe that's spinning around. And we're not on a vacation while the world gets tortured. Everyone is in the same boat on this. If you're a Christian, if you are saved by Jesus, if you have put your faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross, and you believe, you cannot save yourself, and that Jesus did what was possible to save you, to forgive you, to give you a new life, I want you to know this. Your standing in life is not based on public opinion. It's not based on polls. It's based on what God says about you. And you can live a very unknown, ignored life, an obscure life even, and be happy in Christ. If you find your happiness in Jesus, and not in fame, and not in fortune, and not in whatever kind of attention you might get, if you find your happiness in Christ, you will find that that is the happiness that you have been searching for your entire life. That all your days you've been wanting a settled soul that comes from resting in Christ. Wisdom can deliver many, but it can ensure success. And there are a lot of people that are honored that dishonor God. We live in, in a world that, that honors a lot of things, and many people that are honored in the world, do not honor God. And we will even see this happen, where someone will come to faith in Christ, and they're prominent. And what do we think? What do we think immediately? Oh, wait, that famous person, that prominent person just became a Christian. Wow, they must be a wise Christian leader. Let's seek them out and see what they think about all the things of life and all the issues of life. No, they are a little baby Christian in their little baby Christian diapers needing to be discipled needing to be brought up in the faith, needing someone to come along and teach them 
the way of, of the Lord and, and the word of God, and, and they don't need to be put up on a pedestal and then asked, so what do you think about everything that's going on? But this is what we do. And you're sitting there with a lot of good ideas and a lot of wisdom from God, and you're actually helping a lot of people, and no one even knows, and no one even recognizes, and no one's saying thank you. Wisdom can deliver many, but it cannot ensure success. You know, it reminds me of, of James chapter 3. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, James chapter 3. James is speaking of wisdom. In verses 13 to 18, and he, he speaks of wisdom by asking a question first, and he says, who is wise and understanding among you? He's talking to believers and saying, who's wise? Who's wise among you? Here's what you should do. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Just do the next good thing that God calls you to do. Love your family, love your spouse, love your kids. Do a good job at your work. Be a good student. Do whatever God calls you to do with all your might, as we saw last week. Just do it with all your energy. Dive in with gusto. Do the thing that God gives you to do with joy, enjoying God and enjoying this life he has given you. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Wisdom is meek. Wisdom is not jumping up and down looking for attention. And then he says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. So there's a, a false wisdom that exists. There is a false wisdom that comes from Satan. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above, the wisdom from God, the wisdom that God gives, the wisdom that God grants, the beautiful wisdom, the joyful wisdom, the, the wonderful wisdom, the valuable yet vulnerable wisdom is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. You don't have to shout everyone down. You actually can... Have a conversation. Reason with someone. Full of mercy. You see someone in need and you, your heart goes out to the person who is, who is suffering the effects of sin and, and you want to help them. Full of mercy and good fruits. You're doing good things and it's impartial. You don't have a list of all the favorite people that you will want to help and all the people that you will not talk to. No, you're just, you'll, you'll show the same love and kindness and honor and respect to everyone, and it's sincere. That wisdom is sincere. It's real. It's not fake. And then, verse 18, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. You know, I think sometimes we go through life, and we, and we, and we know that, that God gives us wisdom, and we can do a lot of things, but it can't make us escape death. And then we, we realize, wow, I can do some really, really good things with the wisdom God has given me, but it doesn't ensure my success, so I need to come up with the next good thing. I need to learn the next good lesson so that I can have success. I would just say to you today, I would encourage you, I would plead with you, don't do that. Instead, just 
just go bless people however you can. Do the next good thing. Do something right and true for the glory of God and, and your growth and the good of others. And, and know that the success isn't guaranteed. You can't insure it. But just know, you do what you do as a Christian in the power of the Holy Spirit and you trust God with the results. You trust God with the outcome. Let's go to one more thing that this passage is telling us about wisdom. Not just that wisdom can do many things but cannot escape death, verses 11 and 12. Not just second, wisdom can deliver many but cannot ensure success, verses 13 to 16. But third, wisdom can do much good but cannot eliminate sin's damage. Verses 17 and 18, read it. The words of the wise are heard in quiet better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Let's start at that. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. We live in a time when there's a lot of shouting, a lot of, a lot of people demanding, a lot of people declaring, a lot of things. It says here that the words of the wise heard in quiet are better. They do good. They, they can do much good. They, you're not power hungry to gain followers. You're just wanting to do good. This is where you, you do something like Priscilla and Aquila did when they just took Apollos and explained to him the way of God more accurately. This is where you just become a really good brother and sister in Christ to whoever's in the body of Christ with you, and you help them either grow in Christ or come through a, a hard time, or you work with your neighbors or your co-workers or your classmates to show them the gospel of the good news of, of God in Christ, that you actually lead them to Christ and, and show them, hold forth the word of life to them as you hold fast to the word of life. You can do so much good, and it's done in quiet. That's how it's seen. It, it's basically... Brothers and sisters in Christ helping each other in gospel-changed relationships. And maybe no one hears that you helped the person. Maybe no one knows that you did the good thing. But you are, you are being wise and doing much good. But here's the thing that we see in verse 18. But it can't eliminate sin's damage. Sin is a wrecking crew. Sin is a, is a wrecking ball. Sin is a destroyer. Sin tears things up. Sin messes you up. Sin even causes you from looking up to God for forgiveness. Sin messes with your mind. Sin deceives you. Sin destroys you. And sin damages. And wisdom can't eliminate all that damage. Look what it says in verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, better than a nuclear warhead, better than the strongest guns, but one sinner destroys much good. One sinner destroys much good. Now, before you start thinking about all those sinners out there that are bugging you so much and that have frustrated you so much, please, please hear the words of Jonathan Edwards. The humble, sensible Christian is most ready to complain of himself. We like to complain about everyone else. When was the last time you complained about your sinfulness and how much it messes up your relationships? When was the last time that you 
even complain to God about knowing that you were so wretched and that you feel like the chief of sinners. When we're pointing the finger at everyone's, everyone else, we're not sensible and wise and humble. Jonathan Edwards went on to say this, the humble, sensible Christian is most ready to complain of himself, ready to cry out of his own badness, to say he has been the chief of sinners, most undeserving, His thoughts turn chiefly on what he has done in provoking God and bringing down his judgments. We like to look around and see what everyone else is doing to provoke God and bring down his judgments. But the humble, sensible, wise Christian knows that they have provoked God too many times to count. Paul Tripp put it this way, when you're mourning you recognize the most important reality in human existence, sin. You know, Bilbo said to Frodo, it's a dangerous thing to go outside your house. It's a dangerous thing to walk outside your door. Every day, you know, you walked outside of your house today, you're in danger. Sin is destructive. Sin damages. Sin destroys. And wisdom cannot eliminate all of that damage. But Jesus can. Let me point you to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Go there with me. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. We've got to go to the word of the cross. Folly, that means unwise, to the perishing. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 27, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Verse 30, because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, boast in Christ. That's wise. You want to be wise? Realize that wisdom is beautiful and valuable, that it can do a lot, but it cannot cause your escape from death. It cannot give you all the success that you crave, and it cannot get rid of all of sin's damage. Only Christ does that. Only Christ. It's because, by the way, you go back to Adam and Eve, Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1 and 2. They're in perfect Eden. And they're promised something in Eden. They're promised something better if they obey God. Better than the good life that you want. Better than the good life you think everyone else is enjoying that 
you aren't. Better than the good life. They're promised glorious life if they obey. We know the story. We know there was the tree of life, Genesis 2-7. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, also in Genesis 2-7. Excuse me. Genesis 2-9. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But in Revelation 2-7, we have the words of Jesus himself. And here's what, it, what he said. The one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So here's Adam and Eve tested by a tree in Eden. And they failed the test. Now spiritual death to everyone who is born from Adam. They're barred from the tree in Eden. They're spiritual death. And then Christ comes upon the scene. At the perfect time, God sent forth his son. Christ is tested by a tree in the Garden of Gethsemane. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then we read in Revelation 22 that all those who believe will be healed by the tree in the garden better than Eden. Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, to the middle of the street of the city, and on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Do you want to be wise? Know that wisdom is valuable, but also vulnerable, and it can only take you so far, because it is not ultimate. Only God is ultimate. There is victory only in Jesus. Trust in Jesus, the wisdom and power of God. Lord, we thank you that you, you died so that we could live. Thank you that Christ delivers us from the wrath to come. Thank you, Lord, that Christ defends our life, that we have the victory in Christ. And thank you, Lord, that someday, one day, at the time of your choosing, Christ will return in radiant glory and restore all things to himself. That is our hope. That is the anchor of our soul, our hope in Christ. May all who hear these words, Lord, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And may we seek your wisdom above all, knowing how valuable it is and knowing we have victory in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Right now we are going to experience and celebrate believers' baptism. And this is something that those who have come to faith in Christ, believing his finished work, believing what he has done, apart from anything they could do on their own, those who have placed their faith in Christ, then in obedience to Christ come and are baptized by Christ's command. Baptism doesn't save you, only Christ saves. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inner faith. And Andrew Ramirez is going to be baptized now uh, in obedience. Andrew, we, um, we would love to hear your testimony of how Christ saved you.
Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Andrew Ramirez. <laughs> and um, a little bit about my testimony, I guess. It's kind of boring, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of grew up um, when I was younger, uh, coming to church and whatnot, and I really have um, to thank my uncles for that. My uncles were like, um, they were really you know, good godly men, and uh, they took me and my siblings to church every now and then. And so um, I kind of grew up uh, knowing who God was, believing who, um, believing in God, and, and, and he was always like in the back of my mind kind of thing. But I never really like, I guess, knew him, knew him. Um, so it wasn't really up until um, my sophomore year in high school where things finally started to kind of click. And um, I started to enjoy going to church more, and, and, and I started to understand the word more, and, and I started um, reading my Bible more. Um, so I guess around that time is, is where I, I, I believe that God, you know, really opened my eyes kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do believe that, you know, he saved me before, you know, he laid the foundations of the earth kind of thing. Um, so I'm grateful. <coughs> I'm grateful um, for everyone here. Uh, thank you. I'm humbled and honored to uh, be baptized in, in the, here at Grace Church of Orange in front of this uh, beautiful congregation of people. Um, so let's get this <laughs> over with, I guess. Sorry. So, so Andrew, you do believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior? Uh, yes, I do. And you'd like to be baptized in obedience to him? Yes, yes, I do.
together today to sing our hearts out to God and to pray and to hear the word. I encourage you to get connected with as many fellow believers as you can. If you're not a believer, I pray that you would come to know Christ and believe in him. If you'd like to talk about anything in life, uh, myself and some of the elders and pastors are around, and there's ways you can get a hold of us uh, also online if you need to do that. And um, just pray that you would uh, linger a bit today that encourage you to do that and to uh, talk with some people. And let's end our time together today with scripture and then prayer. Romans 11, beginning at verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. Or who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him... And through him and to him are all things. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the immortal, invisible, only wise God. We give glory to you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.